0: The <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk. We are now back from France, but I'm going to be catching up with you next week because this week I am putting live a conversation that I had with a lovely lady called Natalie Meddings, so full of knowledge, as you will hear on this podcast. I will definitely have her back on the podcast. There's so much more to talk about. Natalie, to give you a little bit of background, as in true Mum Talk fashion, we went straight into this podcast. I didn't even tell Natalie that we were recording until about 10 15 minutes in. So Natalie is a mum of three she is a doula an active birth teacher runs a website called tell me a good birth story and has also written a book called how to have a baby it is such a beautiful book so in this podcast we talk about so so much obviously the role of a doula the role of an active birth teacher we talk about her website we talk about her book but in addition to that we talk about things like nap time just general things that mums talk mums talk about but also Rhythm, patterns, where to find advice, support systems, reassurance through body language, um, birthing, what women need for birth, realising that women, we are all essentially the same when it comes down to birth. We talk about stats um, versus hospital versus home birth. We also talk about how the press and the media cover birth. We talk about experts, we talk about seeing backward steps as forward steps, which is possibly one of my favourite things that she said during this podcast, and that you can cancel every day. And also things like doing just one thing a day, which Natalie covers off in her book as well, and I had quite a bit of a realisation when reading that. So have a listen, enjoy, and if you have any questions, definitely reach out to Natalie and also reach out to me, and I'm sure that... If I'm lucky enough to have her back on the podcast, we can answer those questions for you. So enjoy the podcast and I will check in with you guys at the end. The things I adore about your book, I've been reading it over the last couple of nights when she's gone down really well. And I love how in every section you've got real life you know snippets from mums yes. going back to what you've been talking about in that chapter it's absolutely brilliant I love it I love yes. it
1: thank you I mean actually I also like you I'm a bit kind of expert uh, fatigued you know like it's it actually it's the most bonkers thing isn't it That it's the most you know Universal experience, everybody does it, and I'm even in my own stage now. I'm sure there's a version of what we're doing could be for teenage time, or yeah. you know, and, and, and 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 yet, and yet, we're so isolated in a sense, and then we're so individualized now. I don't think isolated is the wrong word now. I think it's like a sort of, we live our lives so individualizedly, do you yes, know what I mean? That you yes. don't have this community. And, and so the expert becomes the default go to. But why? And actually, who are the experts? You know, like yeah. when I, probably not your time now, but when I was having my first baby, Gina Ford was the most, okay. um, yeah. and she has an and there we are, a bestseller. Um, the routine thing didn't fit what was happening with me because my baby was crying all the time and yes. didn't seem to fall into these routines these tidy routines and all I felt was worse and worse and the point then I discovered quite like on, oh, she's never had children, now that's not to say she hasn't got stuff to share of course but it is odd that we don't even question that and yet the most obvious person I should have talked to was a family, uh, somebody with a family and simply about birth like it's odd that we Lots of midwives haven't had to have children to share that information, I suppose. But it seems odd that we didn't have a one. There are mothers to talk to. No. I mean, it's obvious resource of all. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. I
0: feel so incredibly lucky because I did. I ran some prenatal yoga before. Um, well, when I was pregnant, because I teach yoga, and I've now got a wonderful group of mums. And weirdly, all of our babies are within a couple of weeks of each other. So we're right. all able to kind of. You know, text each other and be like, uh, "Have you just had a massive Pumageddon? or <laughs> is it normal that my baby hasn't pooed for ten days? What's going yeah, on? Yeah. Have you had this?"
1: I, I had that. I used to have two week gaps, and my friends were calling yeah. nappies. And then my lovely doctor, actually, there is a good expert. He had six children, but there wow. you go. See, yeah. he was drawing on his children' experience, not his doctor experience. He saw my children did that his breastfeeding. You know, it just they just use up. They've got nothing to eliminate. You know. Yeah. And that, for example, and that's actually those tiny questions. I mean, it's also what doulas do. We stand in for that. But I would still say that's still another expert, as much as I love being a doula and we can bring a lot of help. Uh, Nothing like it when you're just sitting with another mother. And also it sounds like yours is a sort of non-judgmental. That's the other problem about these, you know, the NCT group, which can work really well, but you only have to have that contagion of, you know, I remember in my group, it was like, oh, my baby's going through the night, and then it silenced yeah. everybody else who yeah. was feeling so confident, yeah. and she wasn't showing off, but she was sort of definitely trying to, like, got this nailed, sort yeah. of thing, but Who's got
0: it nailed? No one. No one. And no night is the same, is it? And no day is the same. And all of a sudden you think, oh my God, I've done it. This is brilliant. She's sleeping. This is great. I've got it. And then the next day you're up like two, four, six, all the way through the night, which is what's happening to me at the moment. We seem to be having like two really great nights. She's not sleeping through, but we're having two great nights. And then two really shitty nights where I will literally Mm. be up every two hours. Um, and yeah. I think it's just, a, you know, she's just growing and it is and, what it is, isn't it? I you know, and I didn't understand that. I used to think I, you're so
1: right about the sort of thinking was trage- a trajectory that moved forward, mm. sequence, you know, like things have got to get better. And actually it doesn't ever work like that. It's, it's, yeah. And that best piece of advice I ever got was, actually that was from a book, but I saw it um, born out, was that when you're seeing so-called backward steps, they're usually forward steps. What yes. they are is is the baby being kind of something's grown, some part of their brain is developed, and they just go into a little bit of a fractious state. Or like when we have a funny night, is something's going on, isn't it? Yes. You know. But I I stupidly saw it as oh what have I done? Yes. Did I did I do something yesterday? Did she sleep too much yesterday? And we always make these false equations of um like oh maybe if I had hadn't let her have that sleep in the afternoon, she might have said. And those are just false arithmetic, but just, it's just nonsense until about two, which is when they do, you know, becomes more of a what happens in the day night. At this point, it's just anyone's guess. So you might as well just kind of like, you know, weather it, accept
0: it. Absolutely. You know? And my husband went surfing yesterday. So we drove up to um, Widmouth, which is about an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. She slept all the way up after not even being awake for an hour from, you know, her sleep. And then I took her for a walk in the, in the Ergo Baby and she slept for like an hour and a half. And then we drove back and she slept again for an hour and a half. <laughs> and she slept so much. And then she, she still had her afternoon nap yesterday and still slept like a dream all night. And it just remembers to show, because- doesn't it? So interesting
1: and there's so many people go by and the, the, the experts again will yeah. tell all the time well what you need to do is, is do the sums do this no it doesn't it doesn't add up it's yeah. many other things so they go well you let that baby I have so many people that say that and then it's very stressful for the mother because it all focuses on getting it right you know like you have to kind of it's down to you when actually much more useful is working out the conversation which also includes a big component of just accepting it, yeah. and it's just one of those days. I mean, one thing I've been saying recently to my mums that I look after that, um, is knowing, which I'm not sure many women can now know this, that you can cancel any day. So, say you had me bought and you had another friend meeting, them. actually, we're so used to kind of planning, executing, achieving, you know, get, getting our day done, that you have to learn to say, is, if you're really exhausted for the really tricky night, they're a bit fractious, so you give up. Just yeah. the, What's the harm? Just yeah. put the kettle on, sit down on the sofa, feed and watch telly. And, and I wish I'd done that. I used to be like always fighting. No, I've got to keep keep on top of it as if I would somehow, it was a surrender, you know, which is a <laughs> terrible way. And, and and it says, I think you've already read it in the book, like one thing a day is where that yes. came is on, but just one thing. Because yeah. that way, if it does collapse, it doesn't mellow. I used to try and do um, awful. It was
0: actually brilliant when I read that because I wish I had read that much, much earlier because um, ever since giving birth, we left hospital on the same day. I gave birth at 8 o'clock in the morning and we left at about 4 o'clock, I think, in the afternoon um, and came home. And then she had jaundice. So we had to go to Honiton, which is maybe 10 minutes up the road, for a check every single day for the first week. And that, yes, it got me out of the house, but I didn't kind of have any of that cocoon time at home because every single day we were in the car getting out. And then I noticed that ever since that, every single day I have been out of the house probably once or twice, seeing friends or family or doing a shop. Or And then I read your book and I was like oh my God, I have literally done like two or three things a day. Why haven't I given myself this time? And now I am really slowing down and thinking. Because then there was that guilt because I had done something every day ever since giving birth. I then started to think, okay, well, I now have to do something every day. Oh, I see, yeah. Rather yeah. than thinking, oh, I've got a day off. This is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. day off even. The fact that
1: you yeah. to a yeah. concession, which actually is it's just life, isn't it? It's just something. Yeah. That- And sometimes it's really one is so crazy and one is like got to get out, breath of fresh air. And other times you have to think, well, if I'm, say yesterday with your, the surfing, it's like, you have to first check in, like, am I bone tired? And if you are, you're not adding anything, you know, you just have to accept where you're at. That's what, but babies are really the teachers really, because they force us to be present in that way that any number of mindfulness courses are trying to teach people now you know that actually they make us go right is that really right for us today or yes it is you know we will really benefit from a breezy walk or actually you no know, we're exhausted you know and that, and that's what I think my children have they make you kind of connect to where you are and the other thing I mean I was the same I'm such a hypocrite because that book I'm only saying that because I didn't do it yeah like you I can remember just um, some friends had a party when she was about 10 days old and I was still so stuck on the idea that I had to have my old life in my new life and like somehow bring it all forward. And I remember seriously contemplating going, it's part, I'm not even a party person, but I was like, well, I've got to go. Yeah. They were well, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know, I can sort of feed it, I don't know, I just sort of didn't even, I didn't go. But my point is, is that I, I couldn't make that adjustment very easily, but that was that, Yeah it's interesting isn't it and uh, and and not and listening basically, listen to yourself isn't it absolutely
0: yeah. I did exactly the same four days after she was born it was one of my closest friend's weddings and I knew it was highly unlikely I would be able to go but literally three days after giving birth I was saying to my husband right we're going to do this we've got this we're going and then <laughs> my husband was like absolutely not there is no way you're going and I was like no I'm doing it I feel fine we're going to do it I really want to do it she'll appreciate it and then in the end my husband ended up calling my sister my sister called me and just said Emma let's think about this logically how are you going to go about doing this
1: there was this really good program on yesterday on the radio four called uh, it was called Talk Thinking Aloud have you heard it? it's a really good program it's brilliant in fact you should do one about birth um, old oh, man talking about different subjects it's not uh, you know it was about work and there was did some study that showed that even pe- people can really not like their work um, be really Worn down by it hate it, but when you suggest they might do something else, they would still prefer not to change and it, and and they would prefer the same what they know, so I wonder if we all cling on you were clinging on going to a party as I was because actually it 's such a new world that you enter when you have a baby that as many familiar if, if if you recognize that your former energy would have been right i 'd go to the party. It just feels curiously comforting to know that you might just go yeah. i mean because you're trying to hang on to something and I think to just say don't worry leave the cleaning or don't worry don't go out it's the the changes are too monumental given as a baby as well yeah to suddenly go right I'm a completely new person I'm just gonna relax and I'm not gonna do anything I mean if it's like your person if it's like it's just like me to be a busy bee yeah if it would have felt really I did feel really curiously um more disoriented by the rhythm than the baby in a way that the rhythm the, the fact that I couldn't that was my biggest learning curve. That yeah. that not being able to have, you know, a to b, and fulfil on it. I mean, I'm not even a, I'm not a career person. I'm not even like a. I'm not a very. I'm not even very um, effective really. Like I, but I just like to know that what I'm saying I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And so when that had to be abandoned, I think it was so ner- And that's probably the same with you. You probably wanted the party because at least it was something that was like of you that you that's how I work yeah what what, how I work is familiar and that in those new that new land that is new that baby oh you know you just want what you know don't you
0: absolutely and I'm actually finding that more now than before especially with kind of her nap time because now you know she's not sleeping anywhere and everywhere whereas when she was a complete newborn I could It wouldn't matter when I went out for coffee with with my girlfriends or go out for a walk. She would sleep. It would be fine. You know, she'd still have her naps. But now there's definite times that she's created herself where she likes to go to sleep and you know if we're not in a settled place or there's lots of noise or then she won't she just won't and then she'll be overtired so now I'm a bit like oh my goodness okay so I've got to be at home perhaps in the morning so she can get her sleep and now I'm struggling a bit more because I don't I I like to be busy and I like to you know, um, be surrounded by people. My husband always says, you can never be alone. You're rubbish at being alone. <laughs> but I like it and it makes me feel human. But now I'm kind of thinking, oh, my God, I'm one of these people who have windows of appropriate time when I can actually yeah, do yeah. something. I
1: because I think I didn't pay enough respect to that and I did have a crotchety baby and mm. um, she's not listening. And uh, I just kept going and I, I regret that because actually if you give yourself that I I, I did I was almost like yeah but we've got to do this and I look back now and I wish I hadn't I wish I'd done that because it doesn't pay off because they end up exhausted and and you get a nice and then you're you're because effectively by eight months you're talking well you know six months you've got a really clean line of a good morning nap and a good afternoon nap that is pretty much it the shorter one in the morning and then you really have quite a good structure because it's really simple it's just what it's just you know,
0: yeah.
1: Morning one, you can be out for really. You can just push in the plan and carry on. And the afternoon, one, noon one, I think is valuable to set it aside and really give them their cozy time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can do all your stuff in the morning. So you actually at least if you do this now. You'll get a nice strong um pattern. You know, yeah. and then then you can rely on it, and then you can escape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, or go and do work, or whatever it is, because you can. You'll, she'll be like clockwork by 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 six, seven months. I should think you'll be able to rely on it like like you know, literally like a watching a clock sort of thing. Oh, she'll that would go- be
0: lovely. Her yeah. morning nap is pretty solid time wise, but her afternoon nap, she will. So she has kind of another one around one, and then she she wants to go down around three thirty, but she fights it with every bit of her being so the most effective way of her actually getting it is for me to be in you know go for a walk and have her in the carrier or something because I just I'm trying to get her head around that that's the time she should be sleeping so then if she can sleep in the carrier maybe eventually I'll get her into her cot at that time (laughs) because she'll be familiar with sleeping at that time I don't know if it works like that but that's what I'm hoping
1: no it is just plant it is rhythm pattern you know just setting it up you know and not and not forcing it like these baby instruction manuals. I mean, I, I think that's much more. So it's creating... They want to cooperate. Is the, I mean, you know, of course they do. and They want, they work around you, but you have to kind of bring it in organically, you know? Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is a
0: really bad comparison to make, but I think that babies are like dogs because dogs like to be well-trained, don't they? They like to have routine, oh, and yeah. then they're happy. And I, think, I feel like it's the same with a baby. If they have routine... I drew that distinction in the book because I, I, I could I'm a, fa- I'm a fan
1: of all the things of attachment parenting, like love like carrying, feeding, sleeping, whatever happens, follow the baby. But the ha- I do also think when you you store up issues when when the baby when you let it go to the point where the baby is, dictates the entire rhythm, or mm. I don't know, no, no, let's let me correct that. It's a conversation, so the rhythm between you two is being set up now, and by six months you'll have a rhythm. But I think just – I think, for example, a friend of mine had a really easy baby. So she would not be bothered because the baby never cried, never did anything. So she let the baby stay up till 9, 10 o'clock, right till, you know, 9 months a year. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't an impact on her day. But, of course, it became an impact because yeah. one, the child is not going to just lay there and listen. It was totally right. And I just think it's – I'm a big believer in an evening routine. But I don't like the word routine. I'm like that, evening rhythm, if you like, like yeah. an evening um, – Ceremony, actually, because I used to love bath, 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 boob story, you know, whatever. Just lovely, lovely best memories of my time as a mother because it was so, and I did it on the money. It doesn't matter where we were, when in other people's houses on holiday, every single day of their lives, it became a soother for me too, knowing that I could draw a line under the day, 6.30, turn on the taps. Yep. Well, yeah and, and as each child came we just stepped with that and in the end there were three children in the bath and me wow. <laughs> and, and everybody was asleep by eight you know and the people would say how can you bear such a long it would take me like an hour and a quarter an hour and a half to do the whole thing yeah my friends would just but I I loved it because then I actually knew I got my eight to eleven yeah you know yeah. and and it was and they were really settled and they didn't resist beds yeah. so oh. I, I love a yeah, a rhythm. I prefer, you yeah, know, whatever routine, whatever you want to call it. But that is the real key one that evening. Yeah, because if you, I think people often can, I mean, I don't know what they really do now, but I I know in my time that it was people used to. Yeah, if you had an easy baby, particularly, it was just like well, bedtime well, bedtimes are quite a a child thing. It's not. I think babies love it to know it's, yeah. to set up the signals.
0: I think yeah. so, and we've been doing kind of get ready for bed around seven fifteen time. We don't bath every night because she's got quite dry skin, so I tend sure. to bath her kind of once every three to four days, um, and then I'm still I don't
1: need
0: it. no. I decided it was because uh,
1: uh, partly because she had such gripes. You know, tummy yes. softened her pain. And I, it, it was she used to stop crying.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but but I wouldn't. It was a bit much if you're doing. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah. But just to be cozy and be in the
0: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And she's normally asleep by 8, fifteen, eight thirty. But if I don't start the routine at 7.15 mm-hmm. or 7.30 and I let it go, like my, hen- um, my husband, Hendrik, he's a pilot. So sometimes he doesn't get home until maybe 8 or, and if he's going to be home just after, then I'll wait mm-hmm. so he can see her and say hi. Um, but she does get grouchy. And it's really funny that she's all, I feel like she's already knowing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And oh. It's a quick smile for daddy and then she's like, Right, yeah. mummy, come on, I want to go to bed <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, or at least that's what I think she's saying. It could be something yeah. totally unrelated, but I it's funny, but it's because you're attuned. It's that you do pick, it is absolutely accurate and it's like um uh they almost get like a fidgety thing, don't they? Yes. You
1: know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like just a bit more squeaky. And it's they're not just sort of relaxed in their but you can feel the tension starts gathering in their body a little bit more tummy or and then like, Yeah with a squeaky door, you know, it's like a squeaky
0: you Absolutely. Know. She's normally really quite soft in her movements, but she becomes really jerky when she's overtired. And <laughs> it's almost like she's trying to throw punches and kicks and and that's how I know that she'll be tired. My first accent and I didn't read it.
1: I didn't understand, it took me, I'm ashamed to say, it took me ages.
0: Okay, bye, bye. Sorry, bye.
1: bye.
0: <laughs> well, we kind of just jumped straight in there, didn't we? That's really funny. This is what normally happens, and I have been recording. <laughs> I have. Um, so... I so do if have if you want to edit
1: it around and fill in this to make it a narrative.
0: You mean not? Um, know I mean? I'll probably do an introduction at the beginning and then just say, you know, we just jump straight into it, which we have, um, yes. which is what how I love this podcast to be because you know one of the main things my yes. listeners say is, oh, it just feels like I'm sitting in the room with you and your guests, or I'm sitting in the room <laughs> with you just chatting, um, and that's what's so nice about it. But <laughs> I do have lots of questions for you. <laughs> um, so you are of course a doula. Um, and an active birth teacher, you mentioned. And you run this amazing online site, which very much runs a huge parallel to kind of what we're saying, um, Tell Me a Good Birth Story. So how shall we start with Tell Me a Good Birth Story? Because I think that is just the most Firstly, it's the most beautiful website. It's so lovely.
1: um
0: <laughs> So tell me how that came about, and and what you do, because I think a lot of the listeners. I'm very lucky in that I have a lot of support with groups of friends um around me. But that's one of the major things your website offers, isn't it? Support to new mums and pregnant women, and so yeah. Tell us, tell us all about it. I'll describe
1: exactly what it does, because there is often some confusion. So mm-hmm. I think I'll be really precise, mm-hmm. and then I'll tell you the how are the, the, the genesis um so yes it's an online support service or network whatever you I never know with, what <laughs> how to define it. it always sounds a bit unwarm network I, mean, <laughs> it, it can never, I don't know then I love the daisy chain idea and that that's effectively what it is so what it is I have a database of 13 between 13 1400 women all around the country wow um Who've all had positive birth experiences, and those can be just to um, define, but you know, a good birth story. By the way, you know, is a good cesarean, a good induction, as well as a good birth in a pool. It's it's about how the mother feels and how she feels, and she does. She have fond memories. Does she feel you know, good when she remembers her birth of her her baby? And so, basically, how do I collect those? They came in a big rush. all at once when it began and then over the years it just tops up you know people just write in and they give me their basic details basic so their contact details a bit about their experience um and then they go on the database and that is the buddy um crew sort of thing the team if you like you know and I don't know them and so it is a bit like you're having to kind of you know that's the thing it's a bit how do I describe it I mean People say, well, how, how can you guarantee what's being shared and in, in, in who other people? But it really has an amazing inbuilt self regulation. It doesn't you know I mean it does yeah. really work because people, it only draws people who, who, who I don't know, just seems to work. So they'll write in, share their story. I then put them on the database. And then people write in to me, as you said, who are pregnant, very occasionally pre pregnant, but not mm-hmm. most newly pregnant or very late pregnant, you get kind of people who suddenly feel very anxious about something. Yes.
0: Um,
1: so what would that be? They'd be, you get, you, I got one yesterday. It said, I'm absolutely, um, actually just, the word was terrified about the pain. Yes. Um, now that it used to really go, Oh my God, how am I going to help this person? And I, but you know, if you just simply, simply connect her up with two to three, and I started supposed to be one person, but now I always send people three buddies. Um, and the reason I do that, um, is because it has a. Um, it's not supposed to be just a positivity party. It's not supposed to be like a feel good, oh, that's nice, listening to nice stories. Yes. It is actually a, a kind of a um, stealth teaching in the sense that if the mother receives back, the pregnant woman receives back three stories, it doesn't take much analysis to see that all three will usually have the same factors. Yes. So. You know that, that help the mother. So 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 and and yes, there are variations, but effectively, um, the same thing help everybody, right? So they, that's one aspect to it. Um, people really report back that they feel as you, uh, what you set up and what you felt, they feel very uh, well, more than reassured. They feel amazed. It seems uh, it's almost sad, actually, maybe how little connection we have because they go. <laughs> The first thing they often say is, "I can't believe that these women were so helpful." Yeah, and that's a bit sad, isn't it? That we all. I think I just think if we were all living in a long line in the street, um, it, it, that's what I like to see it as. I can like lots and lots and lots and lots of next door neighbours. Yeah, and they'd have been running up the street. Say, oh no, don't you, know, you don't need a midwife bit, we need to just make you a cup of tea and rub your back, you know, And and you know, and, and then the other woman from over the road would say, Let me hang your washing out, you're fine at the moment. And that would have helped that kind of that the um the mother who's in labour or the mother expectant mother even if it's in pregnancy to assuage her fears, guilt and build confidence in a in, in a really true way. Not like learned like from books, but from a just by modelling yeah, you know, copying, but like, well, oh, she seems to be all right about it, and she did it, so I must be all right, and I might be yeah, that. So it's a literally um, uh, peer support in that sense, absolutely. And, and and it's not, and it's really not rocket science in that sense. I like, you know, so that's how it works. Um, just thinking there's anything else I need to say about that. Um, then, why it get, people get confused is that's how it got set up, and I'll tell you about it in a minute how it got set up. But um, but what isn't got muddling is that the Facebook page got quite um, busy and, and, you know, very well visited and, and, um, buzzy. And I now have an Instagram page, but, um, and I think what happened was that, that was so massive, like thousands, thousands of people followed that, that they thought that was tell me a good birth story. The right. Facebook page was really more like a bloggy, share stories, few pointers, my doula work, just birth blogging, really. yeah uh, And, So that's kind of slightly frustrating. I think people don't, lots of people who follow Tell Me A Good Birth Story, I don't think they even know it's a buddying scheme.
0: Oh, right.
1: It's really frustrating. So it'd be good to put that straight on here. Absolutely. And and even third layer to it, which seems to be why it's so, it's it's visited about, you know, it's not massive, but it's, it's. to me it's amazingly massive, but it's about between, let me work this out. Yeah, it's about 1,500 people visit a month to, wow. to, pre- to stay for five to six minutes, you know, because they're reading stories. Yeah. So they're not even using the budding scheme, they're reading the stories. So that was a third layer, which was very accidental. It was just like, a, thought, oh, we might as well have a few stories on there. Written and because I suppose people read them on the way to work or whatever, that has also become a big thing that they, which I uh, update every month, a few stories. So it's kind of multi layered. It's very live and unplugged on Facebook, which is a sharing. I might go to a birth, come back with a story. Someone might send me something. Um, It's the budding theme itself, and it's the stories on on the site, and all together. Hopefully, it is all about creating confidence, sharing wisdom. I My phrase for it is, um, it's like passing on your pearl. You know, we, we, everyone's got their pearl of wisdom from yes. their left. Actually, it turns out those pearls are all pretty similar. You know, we all like a bit of peace and quiet. We all need the chance to focus. We all want loving, gentle care to feel Nurtured to feel safe deeply safe yeah and and so those things just get repeated and repeated I mean the message I'm just like a start record really I mean I really am <laughs> you know as a doula or a birth educator because we're just saying because you can't reinvent the wheel the same things have been helping women from 200,000 years ago and the lady in a, in a in a neolithic woman in her cave would have needed just what we need now yes yeah. And and so it's really not rocket science. It's really just about sharing that and getting women to share that with each other, um, rather than approaching pregnancy as it currently is as an isolated individual. Who then there's a that's why it's so lovely the tone of what you do because it's not as you say this. Hi, this is the, 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 the podcast. You know, we're here to tell you what to do. You know, that's <laughs> thing. I mean, you know, just just or books or classes. That are still about. I'm the authority, and I'm telling you, you're not really an authority because you're newly pregnant, and therefore you need to learn birth like an A level. Mm. It's absolutely nonsense. You know, the mother has the knowledge in her mm-hmm. uh, clearly because she's growing a baby, and she doesn't co- go to class on how to grow a nose, does she? So her bo- <laughs> so her body's doing it, and she needs to get that connect up, that 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 link up that shows. The the, the faith builds, oh, right, my body's doing this without me doing anything. And the end of pregnancy is just a continuation of that. The birth is the same. The body body will take over and do it itself if you let it. Mm -hmm. I hope is that when they talk to people, and I see it in my yoga class as well, and as a doula teaching, you don't see people accumulating knowledge in the obvious linear way. You see quite on the spot, spontaneous Bing moment literally all the time and I think that's how it happens with those do, those buddy exchanges where something switches a flip a switch flicks and people go oh I know what I need I, I know what I need I know this I know so I you might have seen it in, t- in the book say it's like remembering
0: mm.
1: it's like women remember what they need because actually the DNA is obviously in us going you know you are the the daughter of blah who's the daughter of blah who's the daughter of blah You're, you know you are physical confirmation and proof of a successful line of birth right as mm-hmm. everyone is right so when people go oh, but that hospital and hospital and medicalization of birth has been around for 80 years and we've been giving birth for 200,000 years in this format so clearly we've got a really that means you've got 199,000 whatever you know years of successful birth in your blood you know yeah do you mean? so that very, very long line of grandmothers is in you, you know your body knows, and just the sheer biology of it is a program, and it's going to run like a computer mm-hmm. it's just a, so so those little things we do with people one to one it's not even about you know getting the information right it's just about that little nudge to say, "I did it, so can you it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trust. Find the faith. You know, but when these epithets get thrown around on the internet, you know, trust your body. Or even when you know, as doula's we do, it's like trust your body. but typical birth educators, we have, we say it's great, but it needs meat on the bones. You know, you can't just tell women who are very frightened about birth, oh, trust your body. Yeah, that's not enough. You know, you have to build it up from the from the inside. It's like and and, and those little exchanges, I think with other women, are a big contributor to that because you just – it's like a sort of logic. They go, oh, yeah, well – and it might turn on a tuckney. Like there was one yesterday. This is what I was going to give you a few examples. So the type of things that buzz around through the site, through the Facebook, through the – have a kind of natural magic. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do that day or what's happening because it just – it just – what do you bubbles up? So yesterday, or a couple of days ago, I wrote a thing, and I saw this lovely quote from somebody. Why did I? Sorry, that's my phone. Put away. I... Um, is she. What was her name? Oh, I wrote her name down. You know, Mel. And she said, it just took me by surprise. Just a little a Facebook share, I think. She just said, I don't like when I go into labour. And I thought, oh, what's she going to say? You know, she went, "I love labour, right?" And it was such an Like, go on, what do you mean? And she said, "It's so true." She said, "It's all that griping and difficult cramping at the start. That's miserable. Oh, but when I get into labour, when I start having proper rhythmic contractions, and there's no way back, I love that because that's certainty. And then I'm on my way, and I know I'm now going to have a baby."
0: Yeah.
1: That was such a beautiful way to phrase it because she was kind of negative, but she was practical. Yes. It's like actually, it is. There it, it are points in birth that are slightly anxiety provoking, bit agitating. And I often say to to the mothers, I like, look Actually, I think the early part of birth is much harder. You're on your own. You sound clear. It's unpredictable at that point because yeah. at that point your body hasn't taken over, so you are almost on your own. Yeah. And when nature comes in and your body comes in and and gets into the involuntary state of birth, then it's a relief. Yeah. You can't do anything else, that's it, you're on your way. And she cut in two sentences she described that so beautifully. So I said, Oh, oh and that's how I grabbed them. And I said, Can you write that into me? I want that, I want that. So I've now got her to write to me last night, she's from America actually. So it's even international. Mission. Fantastic. She's in San Diego. She, she's just set up a positive birth group, actually. So she, that's oh, brilliant. The, to the Millie Hill thing. And she, um, she gave me, what, three paragraphs? And I've just put it on the site with a beautiful picture of her in labour. Clearly very experienced. Talks about birth as if it's, oh, when I have a baby, it's blah, 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 blah. And it's lovely, honest, valuable, hugely valuable sharing. Yes. Yeah. So going back to when you said, how did I start it? One of the things I feel very, very, very sad about in our culture is women being censored when coming to share their positive birth stories because they feel ashamed, embarrassed, as if they would seen us crowing. And you see it a lot on the internet. Like if you, you know, there wasn't one fraction of that in this woman's sharing. When she said, oh, you know what? I love birth, but I don't like this bit. I do like this bit. All I could hear is all the women that would read that going, "Oh, that's interesting." So, so when it gets hard, it gets easy.
0: Yeah.
1: What an interesting idea, you know. And there wasn't a flicker of her going, "Yeah, did it without drugs," or you know, sort of you know punching the air with a sort of compressed dryer. <laughs> but what the media wants us to believe with the Mummy Wars is like. Those who have a natural birth as if it's like, um, you know, that's a type. And then there's the type who are down to earth and realistic and have all the drugs. And then there's a the type that... And all they do is... I mean, I think the media are so behind the curve, which is why you are amazing to do this. <laughs> I, I, no, seriously, because it's there's the only way ground up. You know, yeah. I, I, Normally we look to to sort of more mainstream media to sort of be quite inform, informing us a bit. It is the one area that is so... It's like, it isn't just behind. I mean, it's, it's a. I can't even tell you how off, back, you know, backward that the take is in, in mainstream media on, but because I get phoned up occasionally for quotes, and you just can't believe the ignorance. And, it's, and I don't mind saying that online, because so I think people need to know. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Is it an agenda? Is it accidental? I think it's accidental more, because I think the people that are dictating the stories. Are not maybe the type of people who want to know about this stuff, and so, so, or something. I don't know why. I find it extraordinary that you try to show that birth is not about individual choice. Actually, no one wants to say that either because choice is the sacred word. It's actually, it is eventually, but the first part is it's universal. We're all the same, we've all got a womb, and we've all pelvis, and we've all got to get it out. So, let's. (laughs) Let's first start with what is common to all of us before we start saying. And then, of course, the mother who wants a uh, planned cesarean—absolutely, her right and choice. And so, you know, and I'm often—I I, usually advocate the first to advocate somebody wants an induction because they're fearful, or if, if that is their choice. But that's secondary to first understanding that what women need is what all women need. Mm. You know, privacy, quiet, darkness, loving support, safety you show me where you'll find that anywhere in the press on telly or in the radio I have never I, well maybe some very very I don't know I've missed it but certainly not mainstream no. and, and that's really shocking yeah. given with 2018 we're in information age and you know we're supposed to we consider ourselves empowered by information now and yet women are absolutely held back and disadvantaged and have to rely on finding your podcast tell me a good birth story in order to get anywhere near the truth or a hypnobirthing class and it's all a bit accidental and you know it's all a bit um is not it it's not a given that when you're pregnant you're going to
0: find you no absolutely and I think it's so so true that you have to search for something which should be absolutely everywhere it should be and you know it's it's no um, secret that the media like to only report the bad and shitty stuff. Do they? So that's all you hear about um, with the media. That.
1: Everybody says that as if it's always sense. You know, it's a bit more uh, interesting since you know, especially television, it makes it more interesting. But actually, I disagree. Yeah. People, are, I feel like birth has become like sex a hundred years ago. Actually, and death. It's so taboo. The real truth about birth.
0: Yeah.
1: That it would make amazing. make amazing program radio or television to actually hear like even like for example I'm a doula and I've been a doula for many 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 years and I think it's extraordinary that when I tell people what I do not once do you get to to, to people have a there's a kind of inbuilt I don't want to call it like uh reluctance I don't know so you'll never you'll say what does a newborn look like in the first second of life? You know, what does a mother look like as she greets her child? You know, um, what's the what's the last sound of birth, of birth? Right? These are almost as taboo as as a sexual encounter would have been in ni- you know
0: nineteen
1: nineteen. Yeah. Um, and and yet, yeah, people go, oh yeah, but it's fun to watch one born every minute because that's how you know it's more televisual. Well, why? Actually, a, a, a darkened room with a midwife sitting on a landing whispering is really exciting yeah. With and thinking, a, a what's happening now? Is she nearly having the baby? What's that noise? You don't even have to see it for it to be exciting telly, right? So I don't go with the idea that it's just production values. Or, you know, it's just good. No. Te- it's, it's not because actually it's really boring to, to continue. I mean, I don't mean boring um people suffering that's awful but i mean to think that the only version of birth needs to be just drama absolutely
0: you know? i mean i never watched one born every minute because i knew it wasn't a realistic view of birth and i just no need to put myself and through it that is, it is realistic
1: i mean that is how many people you know maybe we'll talk in a bit you said to ask about birth centers i mean it's realistic in the sense that is a very common experience but it's not realistic in the sense that isn't the whole story. No,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, well, I've heard that they tend to pick the more challenging labours and, you know, you, you, it's not necessarily everyone's version yeah. of truth as to what kind of went on. <laughs> and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because then
1: if people see that in the same way that what we're talking about, we're doing trying to engender um, confidence and, and instill reassurance and feeling of, that's going to do the opposite for every I would say for every terrifying portrayal you you know you do a lot of damage you know yes. to, into somebody's confidence you know and they're going to go oh my god is that going to happen to me you know yes. how am I going to get that out how do you get that and there's a lot of old fashioned really dated cliches almost like I was laughing in my class that you know in the 1970s you'd have in the playground like Birth is like a watermelon, you know, it's like giving, you know, it's like pooing a watermelon. The, it, that, that's what it reminds me of, almost like childish, yes. um, childish sort of giggly. No, it, there's a new program out um, called Delivering Babies. Don't you saw it? I haven't um, yet. No. Yeah, you
0: know,
1: with Emma, um, well, the woman who does Big Brother, she's very good, actually. She's lovely, but the concept of the program is just the same old model. You know, it's right. just like sort of slightly. Giggling, it's sort of like nothing. It's not very mature. It's not a very really nice thing to say, but that is what I think. You know, it's like it's not it's not grounded in the sense. Look, it's really quite simple. What what got a program? It's going on air, on telly. Why not actually talk about the things that are really valid and relevant to women? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it feel like I mean, why, no one does those programs? No one mm-hmm. talks about what does a contraction feel like. Yeah. Instead, they were looking at instruments. As if that was a given of a birth, and she's what's this one for? Is this great big metal forceps? Like, and what's this oh one god. for? And that's that's just like, and everyone's like, oh god, well that's birth for you. Uh, well, no. Although it can be in very rare occasions. Um, uh, sorry, I mean it is more common than that. What I'm saying is it doesn't need to be. Yeah. So to make that the the principal um, focus, rather than what you know, what a, a woman. For example, she could have said, "Well, why is she, what, what? Why is that person in a good? Well, none of them, all of them were flat on their back, to be honest, in the bed. But you know, that, that just the fact that they were in the in the bed. I mean, that's like something we learned in the eighties. You know, what? Why are programs still showing women just in the bed? Absolutely, it's like shocking, really. And anyway, sorry, we will digress. I, 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 do you want me to quickly tell you how t- tell me a good birth story came about? Absolutely, yeah. You got time? Yeah. Uh, um, so. Um, it's a, it, it came out of, so in a way, it really goes back to the first chapter of the book, actually, which was my, I got pregnant, I do want to trace it back to this. I was pregnant, I, first time, 18 years ago, and I didn't know anything. And I suppose I, I didn't even know I didn't know anything. That's mm. the other thing. I think that's the biggest thing. We don't, there's a famous midwife called Sheena Barham, lovely midwife. And she said, women don't know what they don't know. So it's not even that you arrive in pregnancy in a kind of, um, oh, right, okay, I better get going. More people are, I think, but I didn't. I just thought, oh, when well, you just have a baby, you go to the hospital and have a baby. It's painful, isn't it? And, and uh, mm, how am I going to do that? Didn't really think about it. But my instinct, which is very me, to talk to somebody, like you saying, that yes. like you found, I just wanted to talk to someone who knew. And so my I had two friends, and I just, it wasn't planned. I just would have just gone, I'm quite... Talky as you can hear, so I was like, well, "Well, what do you mean? You know, what? What do you mean? What happened then?" And like, yeah, Tanya was describing how she was leaning forward on her husband's lap, and I suppose that must have gone. Oh, yeah, of course, you, that makes sense, sort of thing, because the baby's heavy. I would have just thought of the lot And then what was the room like? And it was already dark and cozy, and it was really hard. She, I remember her describing it as really hard, the end of her birth. But what I took from it was. The, when she started talking about the baby's emergence and arrival, the fa- her face was so excited and so amazed, still, whenever, a year later, by this amazing experience she'd had. I must have somehow absorbed that. And my other friend, similarly, was just like, oh, make sure you get some lavender, some very practical, make sure you do this, this is. So I took these bits and bobs from them and did it myself and had a lovely birth copied them in terms of birth centre, a stand-free birth centre. Did you go to a stand-free? No.
0: My birth centre was within Exeter Hospital, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I had this birth centre and had a good experience. And then I suppose that always stuck with me, that that peer-to-peer, that learning by copying is the best way. Mm. And so then I started noticing in my yoga class 10 years later, yeah, 8 years later, you always see... People change in the space of one class. They will come in really frightened, not really frightened, but you know, anxious or whatever. And just the sharing of one tale or a few things over a cup of tea, and they're like completely asking questions, and then they, and they go on to have a normal birth. So that's how it started. Was this, I was supporting a woman um, who was having a home birth, actually, but at the very last minute, she wrote to me and said, I've che- I, "I'm not sure about this, actually." And everyone on my NCT group is saying, you're bad. And you're going to, you know, what are you thinking of? And she said this very sad sentence. She said, I'm not special. Why do you, why are we doing this? Why am I, why have I got a doula? And why am I having a baby at home? I'm not any different to anyone else. And I said, well, you don't, exactly. You don't need to be, it's not about special. It's about normal. It's because home is, as every piece of research has shown for the last 40 years, the safest place for an uncomplicated birth, an uncomplicated pregnancy. So you're not, it's not about being special, thinking that you have got need extra strength or extra bravery or extra pain threshold. It's just normal. But this didn't go down to well because obviously I'm a doula and I would say that. So I decided to match her um, with another mother yeah. who had a birth at home Few months before someone who was quite like her who she'd trust I knew she'd trust her and they just didn't know each other they're still friends to this day actually oh. uh, they're on my state and then um, they went for a cup of tea and she didn't question it again had the baby at home herself amazing and she just said it she didn't really go on about it herself but the other woman who had matched her with did Kate and she said we should do this more and I and I went oh and she said why don't we set up a little local Circuit like a local, you know, support. and that's all we wanted it to be in Barnes in Southwest London. And then I have to this day I don't know how this happened. We put the site up very very rudimentary, and overnight, overnight, I remember. I haven't got this wrong, but it wasn't because it took us days to clear them. There are about six hundred stories. I, I have wow. no idea how that happened. I took, I, I literally don't. We didn't. It just went online. I don't think it must have been. them. in Maybe it was 200, but it felt like I got pretty much all three quarters of the stories of the of the buddies that are on there now were all in the first six months. And Amazing, flooding And from all over the country. And that's how it began. And so it's been going along now. I'm trying to work it out. I think it's six years. I think. And it, interestingly it started in exactly the same time as the positive birth movement. And I contacted her and I said, Oh, you, I thought they were an organisation and she said, Oh no, I'm just a mum in the kitchen near you, you no, know, she's in Somerset. And uh, and I and uh well you're definitely you know yeah. and she Sorry. she <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she, she she I said, Oh, I'm a mum in the kitchen and then we just realised it must have been a sort of a wave of something. We're just cottoning on to the fact that the online Uh, world is the obvious place to create community
0: absolutely absolutely I mean every time picking up what you said about um kind of home birth and the options because you know we're given quite a few options aren't we when we're um, pregnant whenever I spoke to family and friends about having a home birth kind of well mainly family actually slightly older their, their initial reaction was no you can't do that it's too dangerous absolutely not and then I would speak to friends who maybe their elder sister had given birth at home. And they're like, actually, you know, she got on really well. It was great. She had a brilliant birth. It was absolutely amazing. Hendrik was my husband. When I said to him, again, I think he'd been quite scaremongered. And he was like, no, I don't want you giving birth at home. You know, I'm really nervous about that. And it's such a shame, isn't it, that Mm. that's still the initial response that you can get, I don't know if it's a generation thing, maybe, but I remember when I said to my mum, maybe have a home birth. And she was like, oh, I just don't think that's a good idea. I just know, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, and I know that I'm actually getting quite a lot of messages, which is one of the reasons I bring it up. As we've just hit this topic, um, from women who have just found out they're pregnant, and they've been given the options, they would really like a home birth, but they're faced with quite a lot of nervousness from family and also husbands as to giving birth at home um what would be your advice to them about giving birth at home or at a birth center i mean my birth at a birth center was incredible and i wouldn't have changed it for the world it was absolutely amazing but um you know there are some people who would really like to give birth at home and and Mm. what would your advice be
1: um is it uh so the first thing, and I, I don't know if you know that I've also written Why Home Birth Matters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, I um, made that the focus, actually, because I could see that there have been so much, so many beautiful things written about home birth, what could I add? And I felt that was the biggest problem, was this idea of what? why are we making decisions based on hand-me-down hearsay, yeah. other people's prejudices and other people's – now, I don't mean uh, – to downplay, you know, Hendrix, your husband's, for example, fears, or a mother-in-law's, or a, of course, they they appear valid, and I'm not discounting those. But the per, the mother herself, the first thing she needs to ask herself is how uh, reliable is their opinion? How informed is it? And interrogate their own assumptions. I mean, the fact that they're already interested in home birth is great, but deep in there, there will still be some prejudices themselves. People still think, first-time mothers particularly think that birth at home is vastly more dangerous first time at home than it is second time Mm -hmm. and that's the plain not true Mm -hmm. end of story you only have to click two times on google to discover that is you know government research study the birthplace study NPEU birth study 2011 Every uh, bit of research before that will confirm it for you. That, and, that I mean, what the sentence in the Nice Guidelines: birth is very safe wherever you choose to have your baby, and that first, second, third, whatever. Now, the fact that that is just fact, it's 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 kind of amazing that 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 isn't known. I mean, I, I, I it's, it just I don't know. It just doesn't seem to go into the consciousness the collective female conscience. So the first thing to do is, is to really interrogate one's assumptions because you wouldn't go into on a holiday or get a job or buy a house based on, you know, lady up the road or, or you know, somebody's cousin, second removed cousin saying, oh, but they said this and they said, you would take charge of the decision and have absolutely rooted in, you know, if a builder came around and said, "Right, well, you need this and this and this," you'd, you'd like to know he was good at what he did and ex- and, and knew his stuff, right? Yeah. First of all, is like don't just draw. Never ever make your decision about your birthplace choice based on what other people think who don't know. The other problem is is that who the people informing us at the moment, as in, you know, older generation, will be the most disempowered generation that ever existed about birth, ever. Mm. So, the, so we only really lost our faith in birth for 10 years, 1972 to 82. And all those women, now, their mothers are from that time. Mm. So it's a kind of blip in history, really, where, I mean, my mother wouldn't have felt anything. My, all my generation in the 60s, a third of people were still being born at home, and you, you don't think anything of it. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a kind of... Maybe it will pass as a result of it being historical, but that means that women are taking, making these decisions based on um, assumptions and preconceptions that are not rooted in evidence. Right? So, I mean, I, I can actually read you. Uh, so successive studies have shown that hospital is only of benefit to women at high risk of complications in birth, and that for low-risk women – the risk of having a baby in a consultant unit were the risks of having a baby in a consultant unit were high, higher than having a planned birth at home. Now that is fact. Now I don't think many people know that. No. I mean, I, I mean. Yeah, so in other words, if you look at it, the, the simple consumer logic, right? Seventy-five percent of women, only sorry, let me put this twenty-five percent of women want an obstetric lead birth. So that's only a quarter
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be on a labour ward. So that means set three quarters of women want a nature, as in, as nature intended, leave well alone birth, right? And I would say that pans out if you talk to most people. They say, well, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'd like an actual delivery if possible. Most people seem to say that, right? You look at the hospital statistics for last year, and they are nowhere near that. You know, they're tiny. I mean, you know, I think you are... You did, look that up for you you said so yeah 55% of women want to, to give birth in the birth center which we could assume that would be a pretty naturalist birth normal birth uncomplicated and 11% do no so, yeah so 87% of people end up in an ward now that's the first factor then if you look at the national maternity statistics for last year uh they're pretty dire and you've now got nearly a one in two chance in the place where everybody chooses to have a baby in hospital with a birth center people oh, go i'm going to birth center but clearly birth centers aren't leading to the result they want right yeah. so you sort of think of it as hospital so hospital is gives you about a one in two chance of emergency outcome so and by emergency outcome i mean uh well, it's slightly, slightly less than that, but not much. I mean, a third of people are induced. That's the start, Is what's, what's happening. That's where the complications can often begin. But, but you know, you've got a third, in certainly in London, you've got a third chance of cesarean, you know, wow. and and then an instrumental delivery as a result of, of medical anesthesia, not, not, not as a result, but can be a massive factor because epidural can result in that. So, so definitely both, more, it's more likely to be complicated in hospital. We know that you don't even you can just look, click national maternity statistics, and yet, I know why do we continue? Why does ninety eight percent of the country continue to see that as the only option? Mm. It's, it's it's a strange um, self sabotage. Given, I wouldn't mind if everybody said, you know, like in you know other countries probably don't feel like that. I think it's a UK thing. Women tend to think here. I would like normal, I mean I'm not supposed to use the word normal but I suppose I mean physiological uncomplicated might let my body do it. That's nearly that's a lot of people who want that mm. and this, no one is getting it mm. as, whereas home birth at home as so I prefer to call it um, so first time mothers people say oh it's a massive transfer rate. Yeah it is a massive transfer rate You can talk about that another time That it's 45% but 55% of women First-time mothers have their baby at home, so so that think about that. That means there's nothing. They're in their own home. Not, there cannot be any medical intervention, right? Yeah. So 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 there is not. I would invite anyone as a result of listening to this podcast any birth center in the land with stats like that to come on and talk to you, because I'm telling you, you will not find a hospital ward in the country with with that that normality rate Uh, because that's not just a not that's not not just um normality, uh, what i mean is sorry for better uh, bad word that you know uncomplicated you know Mm. safe safe uncomplicated straightforward mother and baby being in good shape that's what right so if 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 that's the fact why is that not out there why do people not know that and even the 45 percent that transfer I don't know the exact figure, but most of those will go on to have a completely normal birth because they've already started at home so that, so, so of the hundred percent of hundred percent people who plan to have a birth at home the the intervention rate is massively lower, massively low, even when they transfer. Do you see
0: what I mean? I do, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And and you know, and that and that I mean I also loved a birth centre and I wouldn't have changed my first birth for the world. And you can provide yourself with the things you need in in a birth centre and a midwife legend. Of course you can. Mm. It's just you have to be much more gender in a way. And that's a shame. You have to just really get yourself ready with a few tricks and tips and that's fine. But it's clearly given it's only eleven percent managed to stay there. That isn't always easy. Yeah. The, the reasons why it's so low, I don't think anyone's done the analysis, but I have. <laughs> and, <laughs> what I think is, everyone says, "Oh, it's because they get shut and people get moved over to labour. Little bit of that could be. Um, the other thing is, it's more stringent guidelines, so you only have to have, you know, a slight. Veering yes. off of something and you're moved across that sort of thing, but I think far and away the the most, the biggest reason that the um, 55% gets goes down to 11% is because women underestimate what birth involves. I think, and I don't know, in that, that sounds patronizing, I don't mean it's their fault I mean I just don't think the culture can kind of shows you how intense it's going to be yeah. but more worryingly they massively are led to overestimate what maternity care can provide so it's not their fault it's no one's fault right our system says right hospitals are safest place, so they just assume trust right and then they kind of hand over a bit and even if they prepare a bit with an NCT class and, 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 and courses and stuff it's it, The the things you actually need, like simply having a darkened room, I mean, a birth centre will have low lights, but you have got to believe how much quicker a labour goes when it's completely dark in a birth centre. Really? I mean, mean, completely dark. You just, contractions just go off because the mother's brain switches off completely because she thinks she's in her bedroom. You know, you're just in a a much more private state. So a simple trick like that. Whereas, so people will go, oh, but it's the birth centre, it's midwife led, I can relax and you can, but it's it only takes, you know, for midwife shifts change or um, the birth pool not working, or you start hearing somebody in the other room and it's quite alarming or you don't you get on with your midwife. Or the variables that just come with an institutional setting, it's, an, it's still an institutional setting. And so, you know, I had the positive birth and birth, you did. It is possible but you've just got to accept the fact that there's more of a lottery. Whereas Absolutely. at home, you're in control of your environment. You, Anyone arriving is the guest. You don't have to worry, is there a birth pool or a bath? You don't have to worry if you're padding around naked. You've got options to, to walk, to move, to hang, to swing, to lean. To, um, mm-hmm. You can get cosy with your own stuff. It's on so many fronts, but they're they're not... And so many fronts, the advantages are there, but people don't, I think there's such little understanding of the things that actually make birth happen easily. And it tends to be like more, oh, yeah, you need to be calm. True, you do need to be calm, but um, I know what it is. And they'll say, don't be stressed. You know, adrenaline disturbs birth and oxytocin is what you need. Okay. But the problem is, is that people aren't given the right understanding of what amounts to disturbance. Yes. I wouldn't say that people are stressed when they go to hospital, but what they don't realise is the cleaner in the corner with their iPhone in, there is, and you just looking at this strange man, and you're sitting in triage, or, you know, or the midwife who pulls the curtain around and says, right, could you get on your back, please? We just need to check you. on goes, that is going to, you know, no mammal would deal with that. I had kittens this year, and I always say oh. to people, if "My, when she vanished into my cupboard... You know the, the, the she did need a bit of support to get to her cupboard when she got in the cupboard, we didn't see her again and If in the middle of that process while she was having her kittens, even my son of eleven would have known not to pick her up, take her downstairs, put her under a bright light and and sort of prod her a bit and stroke her while she 's trying to have her babies, that would have felt really strange mm. and yet if you just think it's normal to kind of upsticks in a state of deep um intense. You know sensations and sort of and involuntary You know all the labor is underway. Redress. Get in a car. Travel in while coping. And not and basically, as a result, we become in charge of ourselves. And the moment you become in charge of yourself, you slow up the process. Once you slow up the process, it becomes a bit less manageable. Once it's less manageable, you need more help. Yeah. And then uh, hence the need for epidural is greater. Than the need because labor that's long is hard. Yeah. At home, it's much much shorter. Usually, usually much shorter. So, very long winded. answer to your question, but you get the point. It's just to interrogate, interrogate your your own assumptions and those of others, and and, our, and think to them. And where they, where have those people got those ideas from? Yeah. You know, somebody will know. Yeah, but in, you know, what, they'll say, "Oh, well, what if something happens?" Well, first of all, what if? What, what that? Is? what is the what if? Hmm. And, and, and what is the likelihood of it? And ask a midwife, not, not um, you know, and a midwife friend of mine says, we're not cheerleaders. We're the same skills, drills, trained staff that you'd have on a birth yeah. center. Yeah. I mean, exactly the same thing at home as we would in a birth center. There's another thing that, that can help.
0: Yeah, mm. absolutely. So things we've just come on to um, kind of professions, midwife, doula, there's, there's, When I first got pregnant, I had no idea what a doula was. And I still think there's quite a lot of uncertainty as to, you know, how a doula can help your birthing experience and what you do versus a midwife. Can we briefly touch on that? If some, because I'm sure there are listeners listening to this podcast who have just found out they're pregnant and maybe deciding whether a doula having a doula would be right for them and in what scenario could they have a doula is it only home birth or can they go to the birth center could you just touch on that fairly briefly for us
1: uh, yeah okay uh, i will try to be something so so doulas um, are age old ancient you know um women, women have always supported women in birth and that's what we are really we're just um a knowledgeable experienced Uh, usually a mother not always a mother themselves woman who accompanies a pregnant woman in her labor Um, so people then say well isn't that what a midwife's for Mm. Um, isn't that what my husband's for you know um, so what is the difference that we add first of all midwives are very um, you know burdened these days with a lot of note-taking and checking and they can't always give the kind of attuned I mean they try to most of them are amazing and they do but it's a hard job to to be rubbing a back and writing notes you know I'm
0: shocked by the amount of paperwork that my midwife had to do um while she was trying to focus on me I I couldn't believe it No,
1: they're amazing I know and and to just be also one of the biggest things I noticed and I'm learning all the time even now as a doula that you can't imagine the effect being very very still has on a labouring woman I've been really still just I went to a birth on Christmas day Oh wow! wow. and even now, you know, you arrive and there's such an urge to do something, but I really make, and you know, and sometimes I'm, you know, we're always learning and I'm, you know, I I thought I've I've got to reconnect to that stillness because I don't always do it. So I just got a book and I just sat, she was in the bathroom and she was fine in the bath. So I just said, I'm just here. I'm here. Okay. If you need me, I'm here. And you oh, okay, thanks. And then I just heard a breathing. So it's very hard for a midwife to be very, very still, right? Also very hard for, I know, making some assumptions, um, and also male, female partners, whoever's with you. Um, it's not that they can't do that. Of course they can, and they can provide the gentleness and loving care and affection that a doula does. Um, and because they know you and love you. But that can actually sometimes be a, a bar as well, because when you are knowing the person supporting you, you can almost feel a need to reassure them and yeah. not let go as wildly as you, you know, you really got to let go in birth and doing that with somebody who you trust, but is also, you know, they've seen it all before. They're just a kind of symbolic presence, really. I mean, I'm not me as a person turning up at a birth. I'm like, I'm standing for all women who've always done it. And I, I mean, I remember with my, my doula, you just, I hold her hand at a certain point, I always had to hold her hand when it comes to that sort of last uh, buffety bit and I I, you know it, it gets to that overwhelm point and I'm like oh no it's so hard and she goes I grab her hand and she's installing something in me she's she's weathering she's weathering it for me with me alongside me in the way saying no this is as it is because it's normal this is, she's not saying it but her body's saying it mm. That groundedness can only come with somebody who's seen birth, felt it, gone through it, I think. Now, that doesn't mean that partners can't be amazing support. Of course, they can. Um, I think that we often end up being doulas for dads, actually, more on partners as much as we do for the mothers, because it mm. frees them up to be present at the birth and to greet their child Um in a way that if they have to concentrate on being a birth partner, that's quite hard. So we're sort of there but there for practical help, we're there for emotional help. We don't give got we don't give advice, we don't give you know, obvious instruction in any way. But we kind of if we can see you know, oh it'd be really nice to change position now. You sort of gently sort of encourage but without without shaping it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So we are giving confidence. I suppose the most important thing we do is we give, we offer, we offer safety. So we, so we help the mother to feel accepting of what is happening because she knows that that woman knows. Yeah. And so in terms of access, people tend to, can sometimes think, oh, it needs a lot of money, or it's like a middle class accessory, or it's like a sort of, you know, a doulas. I don't know. And that's really a shame because of. No one needs to be without a doula, it's, but it's it's building all the time. There are so many around the country now. Uh, mentor doulas are a few hundred pounds. I mean, some people that still be without not possible. And you, there is a um, a fund on Doula UK where you can access doulas for free. So always just contact the local doulas because most doulas, in fact, I could probably say nearly all doulas would work for free if needs be. We do, you know, because we can balance it out. If somebody needs somebody, we can work it out with those who can pay. So, you know, so this is a private service, that is important to say, um, and the, the price will vary around the country. Um, just to be really clear, people imagine it's just for home birth. It's not. Um, we're even at cesarean sometimes. We help with. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we, so we help with all the preparation. So that will be like getting the people ready to understand what they're going to need to birth, Therefore, that helps them to inform their birth choices. Um, we're often contacted with people with high, you know, complex pregnancies, um, breech babies even. We've helped a woman last year who decided that she wanted a cesarean for her breech baby, but she realized that she was very upset by the idea of a scheduled cesarean, so she wanted to go into labour naturally, and she did, and we helped her negotiate that with the hospital, which we didn't like that much, but then... <laughs> But once, she, once she'd explained her reasoning and they'd they got a safe plan, they were very happy. So we do all that kind of thing, basically advocating for choices, helping people to feel safe, helping people to feel secure and reassured. And then when labour begins, we either go to the home, never just, we never just go to hospital really, rarely. I mean, usually we go to the home, support at home, and then all we'll move together to hospital yeah. or centre, or stay at home, call midwife, fill the pool. If it's home, or yeah, if it's a cesarean, we might even. I've gone when the dad doesn't want to go into surgery because he he might feel a bit like squeamish of it. I've even gone and been the no, and then brought the baby out when he's ready. Or many things we do. We're just like uh you know.
0: I think that's so fantastic because when I when I was at home going through my contractions alone, my husband was sleeping and. I wanted to go into the birth center because I wanted to feel safe and I wanted and if I had a doula with me at home I probably would have stayed at home just that little bit longer um because I would have had that reassurance of this is all normal you know you're meant to feel this you know and have that it's, it's a safety blanket and that's what I didn't have but then when I got I was very very lucky very lucky with my birth experience but I had the most incredible midwife who made oh. me feel so wonderfully safe, and that she had everything under control, and I did as well. Um, I was lucky.
1: That's the other good, good birth companionship. Is that? Is that when they they're not the expert, they're like making you feel confident exactly. in yourself. Exactly. She trusts you to trust yourself. Exactly,
0: the... and she did. And but I have to say, and and I I will say this again. I think I've said it when I told everyone about my birth story, but. Me out of kind of, I think I I probably know about ten people across my NCT girls and and prenatal yoga girls. The um, only two of us had a good birth. Well, not not a good birth experience, but had the birth that we were we envisaged yeah, and that, and thought and we would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even a couple of girls who had birth center births. They had a completely different experience to what I experienced and didn't feel like they had a particularly positive birth, but they had virtually the same as what I had, but it was different people, different midwives. I was incredibly lucky that when I went to the birth center, it was empty. There was no one there. So I could literally go straight into the pool. I had all the attention I could have desired. Whereas one of my friends went um, she was only three centimeters dilated and they made her go and sit in the cafe and wait because she couldn't go home because she was bought in a taxi and she had to go and basically have now, the early stages it, of labor now. in a cafe.
1: Oh. And you know, when you said earlier, see, this, this is when you said about what would you tell people who are interested in birth at home is my husband always says this is that you have to remember that, that institutional care is a is a machine of many moving parts. Mm. You can't control those moving parts. Mm they're variables and you got a quiet day you know that she got a busy day and 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 also who's on and it's personal who you're going to get whereas what's great about birth at home is you get to know your midwives you know even if you didn't have a massive connection there will be familiarity and that that is enough actually just to feel oh you know didn't have to have a big friendship you just need to feel familiar and cozy and and accepting and they come to your house so you yeah. so basically when you when you birth at home you you just reduce so many of those um lottery factors that it's not a roll of the dice you haven't got a while i've had people have these and what if i don't get a birth pool and that anxiety alone So like let's go let's go cause we might not get the birth pool or um you know what Yeah, you know, what if i don't get that that particular midwife or whatever and absolutely it's a shame because, I, and whereas in your home setting, and by the way, something I want to emphasize because there's a chance to sit in here, I actually don't like the whole concept of home birth because I think it's too limiting um, and too confining. Because well, how can you know you'll stay at home? Mm. What what is a much more practical way of seeing it? Is how it used to be seen, which was thirty, forty, no, in the sixties, you wouldn't have planned a home birth there was no such thing as home birth in 1955 or so. So what you had was a midwife. That's all you've got. That's nothing, it's nothing to do with staying at home. Because how can you know you're going to stay at home? Mm. What you, did was you knew your midwife. And because birth was not considered pathological, which it, because it isn't, the most obvious place to be was to have a midwife to come round to you, right? So she came round to you. And then you just saw what happened. You didn't you didn't. Just, so what if, if it was long? You didn't have a draw, you go in. If there was a blood pressure rise, you went in. If pro- progress was smooth and simple, you stayed put. Mm. That's the and that can be the same now. And in fact, near you, have you heard of the Signet team? It's more Dorset, maybe. Um, they lots of teams around your area, much it's really got loads of what you call home birth hubs actually in the southwest.
0: I'm uh, so so sorry to interrupt you. My little one has just uh, started uh, kicking off, but I'm just gonna quickly run and grab her. I'm so sorry. She's <laughs> so
1: gorgeous. She's so gorgeous. Where did she get her lovely name? Um, My husband's French, so
0: Amandine is a French name. Oh, it's so lovely. Oh, thank you. Look at those eyes. I know. She's got beautiful eyes, hasn't she? Hey. Hey. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt you. If you can... One final point.
1: was just to say that in areas in Britain where midwife teams have simply had a will drop-in on you... Not a, not a home birth team. Just wheel drop in on you in early labour. She's smiling at me. <laughs> um, and, and see how you're doing. The birth at home rate soars. Now, isn't that interesting? Which is exactly what you That's just amazing, said. amazing, yeah. Somebody had turned up, and you had the option to see what happened, and they turned up, the midwife. No, no plan to burn at her birth at home. You just reassured let's do a couple more hours, you're just doing brilliant, your baby's heart rate's perfect, you're perfect, why don't you relax in the bath? Oh, kel surprise, people end up very happily getting that there's nothing wrong with them and it just intensifies, you feel the baby coming, like that woman I told you, um, what was her name again, You know, who who, who said she loved that labor labor, that woman, Um, what's her name? Mel, She, she, you know, Women, once they get into the stronger stuff, they're like, oh, no, of course it's more comfortable here. I'm just from my own bath, my own bed. And so it's very easy for it to all like, uh, what do you call it, sort of align. You know, so the midwife turns up, she might go away again, but she'll come back, you know. And so it's not surprising that the Signet team, which I think is in school um they have they have like massive i think they have 20 percent home birth rate just for sim- they're simply doing that we're saying two women in their first appointment by the way if you sign up with us to, would you like us to visit you you know we'll, we'll do our meetings um in home and on the day we come and you can make up with your mind if you want to go to the ward and have a, or you want to go to birth center that's real choice then mm-hmm. women go oh it's that it's that kind of open Whereas if you say to a woman who's nearly pregnant, "Do you want a home birth?" it is an option. They're going to go, yeah. "Of course not! Why would I have a baby at home when no one else is?" Yeah, it's like, you know, but it's a self-fulfilling it's chicken and egg, isn't it? If you if you if you just show people what it actually means, which is, and the other myth is that people don't realise that you spend two thirds of even a hospital birth at home anyway. Yes,
0: absolutely just
1: alone, as you discovered, which is not a very really safe feeling. Yeah. Because it's intense. So if we had a system, I mean, unfortunately, it depends on teams and continuity of care. Look at you listening. So, so I, think, I think the new changing uh, Better Birth to Birth is a new um, government initiative. And it is trying to create these options.
0: That's so good.
1: team capacity and but we've yet to see but if continuity of care just changes everything
0: yeah Yeah. absolutely I remember when my midwife said right Emma because she'd been with me the whole night and she said Emma you've got 25 minutes to get this baby out because I need to go and pick up I need to go and take my babies to school (laughs) and we were very much at the you know the end and um, Amandine was basically doing. A, we were at the stage where baby was coming down and then going back up and then going down and coming back up. So okay. it really was time for me to muster up and and yeah. get her out. And, and it, for the thing, it's like a part of you've just got to go for it. Like. Exactly. And I remember thinking, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. I feel so safe with you. Right. Come on, Emma. Let's do this. We've got to do it. Um, and and it is. It's all about you know feeling safe, having that continuity. And I can't imagine if if. um if she'd had to go and the shift had changed and I had a new midwife, I think I would have really struggled, actually, because if something had changed or if I'd felt a sensation that I wasn't comfortable with, I probably would have panicked, thinking, is that normal? I don't know if you know if it's normal. You haven't been here kind of thing.
1: Well, so imagine like, going back to the mammal, cat, dog, horse thing. I mean, I always use the analogy that um, race, race, horse, men... <laughs> They get moved to their place of birth three weeks in advance um, of, of labour because they have to be so familiar, like any yeah. mammal. They have to be familiar. And nobody takes any chance. They get the exact you know, conditions uh, so, so that the horse can trust and relax. Well, that's a horse. So yeah. imagine us, you know what I mean? If, if suddenly we yeah. get given these curveballs and then people wonder why labour becomes difficult. Yeah. If, you can't have any distractions, any disturbance, any disruption. <laughs> that's a great, that's like, do you agree? That was like a cartoon yawn. It's like, I'm bored of you now, Monty. I you. Rude. Blame you. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, consistency is everything. Flow. And I'm like, like you, I remember my midwife. Uh, so well, and that kind of comment where she just was funny and and kind of relax, like um, she was like, "Oh, you're fine." She, did, I remember, was like, oh, "I don't think I can do." This. She went, oh God, if you've got this, far, of course you can do like. Yeah, and she was just so normalising, and um, <laughs> it, 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 it honestly did so. It is the tiniest things like that that make all the difference, Absolutely. and yet it's so, it's so sad, really, that doesn't seem to be that many people. I don't think it's the midwives have got it to give and I think the system is generally well intentioned, but it's it's very um discontinuous and interruptive. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an environment that's changing a lot and the <sighs> you're gonna end up with that you know, labors get disturbed. Just amazing, isn't it? you know, so
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Well, let's, um, I just, I really want to very briefly touch on your book because oh. I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I wish, wish, wish I had seen it um, before and I will 100% use it if I yeah. am lucky enough to get pregnant and have a second one because what I love about it is what I've mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast, how you yeah. have, you know, real mums in there giving little, excerpts of kind of what they've been through after every section and I think Mm. that's brilliant and also it's it's not um it's 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 lovely to read because it's so relaxed in how you've let everybody kind of know that this is all very normal but these are some you know stages that you're going to go through um so when did you write the book and tell us a little bit about the book um, so
1: that was another, a bit like a Tell Me a Good Birth Story uh, extension again because uh, I, w- I had the mother come to the class who was very, she's South African and wanted a cesarean. I think it's a s- massively high cesarean rate in South Africa. It didn't occur to her to have a normal birth and she was trying to find a doctor, but they refused in the NHS to give her one. So she was very frightened because she was like, well, what am I going to do? So her neighbour persuaded her to come to my active birth class and she walked in very reluctantly and within two sessions was com sort of persuaded to have a doula and ended up having a very normal birth and loved it and in water and I as I was leaving to say goodbye she gave me a diary and said um I want you to put in there all the things you told me and we shared in the class and I'm going to put them into a little pamphlet for you to give out in the class because she was practicing designing and she was a teacher actually she's not a designer by by profession and um so she then left to go back to Cape Town. So we had this very strange, I'd send her emails of my nuggets of, of info, and she'd send back a picture, and we got a friend to take some pictures. And we started getting, you know, a bit involved, and we got bigger. and bigger. As you can see, it's quite a tone. And um, I just thought we'd go for it, and we turned it into a book. So we self-published so fantastic. it. So we can it all down this line, she's got a very ropey Wi-Fi, you know, because it's like, Cape Town. It's like so it was all down the wing in the prayer, you know, in storms, and I remember her saying, like, I can't speak, there's a storm coming, you know, it was like, it, 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 we did, the, this is when I did Skype with her, and um, we put the book together, and yeah, and it's, hopefully, and I'm, I'm glad you feel what you do, what you do, that it's supposed to be a kind of warm,
0: yes, that's
1: right. And, and to hold the hand through it all, yeah. not, too instructive, more sharing, and and like I said at the beginning, like paying it forward, you know, like a yes. sort of um, pass on your pearls. So I don't. I'm hoping I'm not saying this is how you do it. It is obviously focused on 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 on, a, on a, um, optimal situation. It's like normal physiology, but I just felt that was not being represented much because every time I opened a birth book, it would say, "Look, you can't know what way your birth's going to go," so. You know, get informed and cross your fingers. But, you know, get. and I just thought, well, actually, that's not what I experienced as a doula. You know, we have maybe 20 births a year and 18 of those are entirely straightforward. It's it's really not that. It it, it isn't that random. It is not that predictable. And I felt I wanted to enshrine. The factors that can make it as predictable as possible, mm-hmm. of course, there are going to be variations, and of course, those can be positive, yeah. And that's why the book can also, you even if you do need a plan, Caesarean, even you can draw things from it. So it's divided into three sections, as you saw. And, and I, I actually thought, um, yeah, I was looking at now, it. I was looking to see what happened, how I would kind of condense, uh why we put it into the three sections and what sort of the headline for the sections, if you like. And I think the first thing is preparing for pregnancy, pretty obvious title, but what we wanted to get across was the emotional readying. You know, how how do you grow? How do you grow in curiosity? How do you start to feel good about birth ahead? Hey. It's a point per page as you've seen and you just build it slowly by nourishing yourself, mm-hmm. looking after yourself, moving well, going to yoga, you know, having a walk, exploring your feelings. Be a blank page is one of the points we make, which is don't take other people's ideas about birth and make them your own. Go and find out the facts. Mm-hmm. So look for so building slowly up so that the person that arrives at the end of pregnancy feeling really like such I I can do this. Mm. second section is the birth and I took a very practical take there as a doula which people have said it's a doula in a book Um, just what I help the things that help the things I know that help and I took all loads of you know, stuff from the site, people writing in the, the comfort techniques and that. Um, but obviously, all the physiology, too, like things that we know, that privacy, safety, quiet, peace, these things are really invaluable. And the big thing it teaches in there is how to pace yourself. So to understand what to expect of labour, so that's mm-hmm. a part of it. Um, and it takes the reader right through, you know, to the end. What You know, somebody wrote to me yesterday, I'm telling you a good birth story, I'm really... Appreciate. That pushing really terrifies me, and that you know people. There's, there's a myth that people have to that you need to push in that way. You know, it just explains a bit more like what actually is happening at that stage. And then the finally the third part is like as you're doing now, yes. with, Is is life with a newborn and and the early the early days? But it takes you up to what you're at now. You know, look, is all the stuff we discussed at the very beginning of this conversation, which is that find your rhythm. Take it easy, be patient with yourself you know um, you' be paid, you know it, it's not a test you know it, it doesn't have to be perfect it's just about learning them and learning yourself because both, yeah. you both know you're both new to it you know in life yeah. <laughs>
0: there
1: we go and she agrees and, and yeah that's good um, yeah you know life of the newborn in the early days so hopefully it's a helpful guide and people are seeming to really like it I think it's a, a root. Kind of book in that it's been um. word of mouth. Um, it is it is available on Amazon and on the site.
0: Oh great! I was going to ask where people can get it from. So they can get yeah. it from Amazon, and and yeah. I'll tell me yeah. a good bird story. Good
1: story? Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. fantastic! Well, I think it is absolutely. Brilliant. And after this moment, amandine absolutely lost it. So I will end the podcast here, as no one wants to listen to a crying baby. What an amazing podcast and what an incredible lady. I'm sure you agree with me. So as I mentioned at the beginning, if you have any questions, do just pop me an email, mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to Natalie through um, her website or her Instagram. And I will catch up with you all next week on our holiday in France and so much more, of course. Lots of love to you all. Have a lovely rest of your week.